Fashion. It comes and goes so fast. You're wearing something cool one day, and looking like a total dork the next. If only there was something that made you stand out from the crowd, but was always a classic. There is. The classic camel toe. The classic camel toe is the fashion accessory you never knew you already had. Simply hike up your pants as far as they can go, and blam, you have a classic camel. No promo code needed. Use it for yourself today. Another movie review podcast. At least it's better than a car crash. And we're gonna write some funny ads. Talking movies and having a blitz. It's the Beat It Podcast. This is Beat It Podcast. I'm uh, Icelandic songwriter Joe Cabello. And this is uh, Eurovision judge Chris Asoda. Hello, Chris. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. And uh, of course, we are talking about that because we're talking about Eurovision Song Contest, the new movie uh, from Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams, um, directed by the director of Wedding Crashers. So some heavy hitters, heavy hitters. I mean, could you not tell that it was directed with the same art? Should have known. Should have recognized. Yeah. That well, classic Wedding Crashers look. I mean, he's doing Wedding Crashers too, so. Yeah, that's that's been announced, so. I guess. The, the legacy continues. Yeah. Rachel McAdams, I guess. He's just always working with her. Oops, I forgot to put the stream volume on, but that's okay. Thank you for letting us know in the stream about that. It should be up now. Um, but cool, let's get into what we've been watching what have you been watching, Chris? I know last week you said you were pretty much just digging deep into The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah, which actually I, I just finished that today, earlier today. So, All right. So uh, how long did it take you? Did you kind of like you just screamed through it in like a week and a half, right? Yeah, it's been it was like a week and two days, I guess I beat it. Um, my I know that I leave, I'll leave my game like paused and on for a while, so sometimes the time will add up. But I think by the end of it, it said I had played like forty hours, but I'm sure it was like you know twenty five or something like that. Oh okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, then you're kind of basically ruining your trophies. Uh, actually, I'm I am pretty close to getting a platinum on that game. There's like only five left. I realized after I beat it. It kind of has this easy way to show what you you miss in each chapter, so you can go back and look for the stuff, which is kind of cool. Oh, nice. Um, so all in all, uh, positive on that game? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's probably out of all the games I've ever played, the most cohesive story and narrative with like characters that have proper arcs and it's really well made yeah oh interesting. pretty crazy do you think do you think why is that other than just like good writers or like better than average writers on the game do you think it does the gameplay style and general style of the game do you think lends itself to some allowing better storytelling or do you think yeah it's just, this is a good game the the gameplay of it is very Metal Gear-esque, like Metal Gear 5. Mm-hmm. That's what it kind of reminds me of, is like if that was in the zombie apocalypse. So it just works well with 
creating the narrative and then the gameplay kind of just it's like the gameplay writes itself you know the gameplay they don't need to think mm-hmm. about it because it just works and it is what it, it works fine for what it needs to be and then they can kind of just be creative as creative as they want with the story and f- focus much yeah. more on that that's what it seems like because then you take something like you know mortal kombat or um injustice you know these fighting games that have these like pretty good decent stories but the story still is only going to be so it's it's so constrained by having to have a fight with a character every you know five minutes and have an outcome to that fight that it's like where where can they really expand their wings and also you're trying to play as every character you know the game is trying to give you that so you're not necessarily Mm -hmm. following arcs but it seems like something like the last of us is just like a sandbox that of gameplay where you can fit in so much storytelling and that can be the focus yeah yeah so like i guess minor minor spoilers for the game in terms of like what you do do you want do you want me to talk about that or is that something you don't want spoiled at all because i wouldn't say it's gonna i'm I'm not i'm not gonna say anything like huge uh you know character deaths or something like that it's in the but, unbreakable universe. Yeah, yeah. At the end, um, you realize it's split. the The character you're playing as has multiple personalities, yeah, yeah. including a supernatural one. <laughs> um, yeah. I just the thing that the game does very well is you play as multiple characters, and they're kind of like opposing forces to each other. But the game will humanize both sides and show that like they are they have their similarities, and so even mm. though your story is that this person has crossed you and wronged you and you want revenge or justice, those those people had their motivations that are very similar, and I don't know the and both sides' solution is murder, and maybe that isn't the best solution to their problems it's Mm. like it's just a cool idea of like why don't we just go all in on showing both sides and and yeah not even trying to have the player um not guiding them in any way to be like these are the bad guys these are the good guys yeah there's no thanos here everybody (laughs) historically the best bad guy um that's uh that's pretty cool you're gonna play through it again or there is exactly. a cool like new game plus where you play with all the stuff you already unlocked. So I was thinking about going back, but more so just to get all the stuff I didn't get and maybe platinum it because I've only platinumed one other game mm-hmm. uh, before, and it was God of War, and I felt like that's probably the the best game I've ever played. And this one's oh, wow. pretty close to that, I guess, in terms of how how long it'll stay with me. I feel like there's things in this game that I'll think about for a while. Oh, that's really awesome. I mean, it, it definitely pushes me a little bit towards playing it, but, um, yeah, I probably still won't. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's the thing is like, this game is very heavy and I don't, it's not a game that I would like just easily recommend to people. And I guess what I would say is I bring this up a lot, but my, cause I had a f- talk with one of my friends about it. And he was saying 
this game and the first game, the equivalent of in terms of movies for these games is like the first game is like the Godfather and the second game is like the Godfather two. That's what he was saying. Uh, But I was just going to say that uh, I bring this up a lot, but it is very much like green room in terms of its brutality and like people Mm -hmm. dying and it just moves on because that's how life works. It's like, you, you don't sit there and it's like this epic death or this so dramatic that you have to like worry about. It. It's like people die, but you have to mm. keep surviving, you know? Yeah. On to the next thing or else you'll die too. Yeah. Yeah. And some people just don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I get that. Well, cool. Um, for uh, the next thing that I've been watching, we'll probably have some common ground on this because uh, I think you were a little bit ahead of me on it. But the Lord of the Rings extended editions, I watched oh, yeah. all of them. Yeah, you watched all of them. Shit. Yeah, me and my girlfriend, we took a week and just like kept. We never watched one in its entirety. It was like usually at least two viewings, if not <laughs> yeah. three. Because they're like they're all four. over four hours, right? Yeah, minimum four hours. And honestly, like the extra stuff, you could you could uh, pick it out when you see it. Mostly if yeah. you just remember the movies well, and some of it also seems a little like um, extra, but none of it yeah. seems really out of place too much. It's which is interesting because it's like it's just it's so long. Four hours is so long, but it doesn't necessarily feel any longer than four hours should. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say it doesn't feel long the way like some three hour movies like don't feel like three hours like no this definitely fucking feels long but I think that's <laughs> just because you can't get away from that no matter yeah. how good of a movie you are if you're four hours but yeah. Um, yeah I thought they were all really enjoyable and uh, it was a nice way to revisit it especially in that way if you haven't seen them I know like 12 or 13 hours of movie <laughs> is a lot but this is the way to rewatch them, I think, just because yeah. you get something new out of it when you see it the second time. Um, what was your experience? Did you rewatch all of them or just the Twin Towers? I, so I, I watched the first two already. And then this week I actually watched the first half of Return of the King. And uh, or the first like two hours. And then I was going to mm. watch the rest of it uh, this upcoming week. Because, like I said, mm-hmm. that podcast I was following, they split up the all the movies into two parts. Oh, okay. So one review per week. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I watched watched part of Return of the King. That movie is, has the Academy Award for Best Picture, right? 2005, I think. Uh, not that I recall, but I don't, you know, I just don't yeah. know. I'm pretty sure it, it won Best Picture, which is like... That's like- that's one of those things they're giving all three movies best picture when they do that yeah you know they're very clearly like all right you did it this is this is (laughs) an achievement yeah they are really good and definitely you can't help but compare them to the hobbit trilogy which um no matter how you feel about that i think it's hard to compare them in any way because the lord of the rings trilogy is just much better yeah um, obviously a lot more meat there anyway because there's three books you know versus a single fairly short hobbit book being yeah into three yeah and also like the cast of characters is hard with the hobbit because it's not really diverse it's just a <laughs> yeah. bunch of dwarves it, and you can't tell them apart 
because they're all just their a bunch names, of guys wearing a bunch yeah. of makeup. You're like, their what? names are literally like Bimble, Gimble, Shimble. <laughs> uh, you're just like, dude, I I get it, but even in a book, this doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, it's just too much. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely um, a lot of fun uh, rewatching that. But it definitely like I wasn't watching anything else because just having yeah. to get through that every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else for you? Yeah. Uh, so I watched the Netflix Eric Andre Legalize Everything comedy special. Okay. I uh, I saw about 10 minutes of it. Okay. Uh, tell me what you thought about it. So the funny thing about that is this, this whole special is that I saw him live uh, like six months ago in San Francisco or Oakland. Mm-hmm. I forgot. But anyways, I saw this exact set. I saw him do it live. And the problem I have with this special is I think he filmed it in like, was it Seattle or Portland or something? But no one's laughing at any of his jokes. And it shows shots of the audience. And there's like a couple people laughing. And the other people look like they're not sure if it's okay to laugh at it. <laughs> and it's it's really like unsettling because when I saw it live, the, the theater that he filmed this at was like a very, very small theater with like a second floor and, you know, uh, a stage that's probably less than like 200 people. Mm-hmm. But I saw it in like a big ass theater, you know, multiple floors and all that stuff. And it was packed and like everyone was dying laughing the entire time. And that was like what made this the experience better, I think. Yeah. So it kind of makes it not as fun when you're watching it when no one's laughing it's it's really weird that the audience for this that he knew he was gonna film is like mm-hmm. i don't know not really fans or something i don't i don't understand yeah there's so much to it right because you have an audience who might know they're at a special and that's that might lock them up might tighten them up that they know that they're filming and i know a lot goes into the edits of these things Depending yeah. on the stand-up, but I've even heard, like, Anthony Jeselnik talking about how, like, editing out a laugh at a certain point, just so, for the home viewer, you know, just, that night somebody laughed kind of at uh, at a setup, because that audience member knew, oh, oh yeah. this next joke is coming, you know, something like yeah. that. But he does not want that for the home audience, that he uh. wants them to have the, the real feel, so he'll take out that laugh other times keeping them in so different stand-ups and i you know eric andre you don't know where he's coming from artistically like Uh did he could even be i don't think this is the case but he could even be editing in purposely footage of people not laughing yeah you know as like like a weird fucked up thing that he does yeah uh so that's kind of the weird thing about him although i haven't seen the full thing so i can't i it didn't seem to me from what i saw that that's kind of what it would be doing or what Uh he would be doing yeah um but i appreciate his everything more than i like it i kind of don't like that like rude obtuse humor you know especially bizarre and like jackass meets um uh, i don't know the word but uh just really crazy weird straight weird stuff 
Yeah. But uh, I, I, I appreciate it more than I like it. And, like, it opens with him doing kind of pranks. And I just yeah. don't find those very funny. Yeah, so but, that's the other thing is, like, he he opens with, like, a prank thing. But there's, like, barely any of that in the actual special. But, like, for yeah. for example, I know another friend of mine was trying to watch it with his girlfriend. And she, at the start, was like, oh, is this going to be, like, one of those jackass, like, prank things? And he's like, kind of. And she's like, okay, can we watch something else? Well, so I thought it was that mo- that one movie for a yeah, second. And I was yeah. like, wait, am I just fucked up? And I didn't realize that I put that on. I thought it was his movie with Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, uh, but then he gets in the stand-up, and you're like, okay, no way that that movie is framed like this. Um, but some of that I, stuff is just like him pretending he's a cop and being like, "Hey, I stole these drugs." Woo! It it really plays to me like maybe he's trying this to be unfunny on purpose in a way, but I don't know. Like, so that a lot of the, my lack of enjoyment came from that, even with down to his jokes. Yeah. It, it kind of seemed like he was doing a parody of a druggy guy, like a drug comedian. Yeah. And I, I just don't know if that's what he's trying. And if it is, maybe that's a little funnier. But, you know, just things like, you ever get so high you see a unicorn fucking your dad snorting coke off of a whale's penis? And you're just like, all right. <laughs> that's not a direct yeah. quote, but it feels like that. that. That very much well could be one, though. That's for sure, yeah. Yeah, so Eric Andre, I'm trying to write for your shows. <laughs> I know I'm, I know I'm criticizing this, um, but I think I might like put it, leave it on while I play some games or something. But um, I'm not super. I was never a super fan of his anyway, so I don't know if I'll finish yeah. it. Um, yeah. All in all, what, how do you land on it? So how I land on it was, I just feel like when I saw it live, I thought I felt at the time and thought with some of my friends that went. We're like, that's probably the f- most I've ever laughed at a live comedy show. And wow. that was definitely like the funniest thing I've seen live. And watching the special, I feel like none of that energy is there. And I, I don't, half of it is to do with like the lack of audience laughing or appreciating it or whatever. But mm-hmm. it just felt like something special was missing. And I guess maybe that's just the live element to it. But. Even like yeah. at the end, he does a bit where he like calls, uses a f- someone's phone to text their mom. He's like, "All right, p- bunch of people, give me your phones and have your mom's text out." And then he'll do that thing where like you know on iPhones you'll text and it'll have the like predictive text. Yeah. So like he'll type in one word like "Hey," and then he'll just use the predictive text to make sentences to text the mom. And. Mm-hmm. uh and when he did it live with us, it's like it usually ends with one of them, the moms responding and then like FaceTime calling. And then they talk uh-huh. like live to the audience with whoever, some random person's mom. And our the one that we saw live, I thought was great. But then the example they use in that uh, the special was like not nearly as funny as the, the one that we saw. Uh, that's unfortunate when you have something that's kind of reliant on. The yeah, luck the of other, the draw. yeah, exactly. But other, I mean, other than that, if you do like Eric Andre, you'll love it. I'm sure. It's just kind of that lack of laughing, that kind of like an energy that made it kind of weird, off-putting. But yeah, and like for you, you had a connection with it, so it's kind of like if you had sex with your wife, but then you were watching people have sex with your wife later. 
it probably yeah. wouldn't be as good having watching your someone have sex with your wife. Yeah, you I mean, know, unless you, you how like you seek that out actively and like to watch that or something. That in which case, yes, yeah. different story, different analogy. <laughs> um, well, cool. Uh, check it out if you are a fan. I would also say if you're a fan of them, you'll probably dig it. Um, yeah. Uh, and I also am starting to get into something else, which is just as long as Lord of the Rings. Um, the Gundam original trilogy movies uh, for the first Mobile Suit Gundam series. It's basically they compile the original series, which I think is like over 100 episodes or something. It's a, like a pretty lo- big number of episodes um into three movies so it's three movies that are over or just about seven hours long total for all three movies okay um so the first movie was like two and a half hours uh and i will say they're not they don't make for very good movies you know like Uh it's very much feels like it's not ending on a tip of very Uh like high story note it's just yeah. kind of like the end of a section um yeah. but that being said it is fun to to re-experience the original series without having to watch every single episode um i am liking that because you know th- there is probably a lot of filler <laughs> and i'm not yeah. sure with the movies if they've like re if they've changed anything versus just cutting it down you know like even at just doing a line that is uh, i don't know just can sum up something in one line versus you know doing several scenes or whatnot but uh yeah yeah because none uh, of it is like recreated right it's all just taken from the actual show yeah it seems definitely to be i haven't remembered a lot of the animation i have the blu-rays so they're you know blu-rayed up but they still look pretty much (laughs) the way they look uh actually it's 43 episodes um which still good amount of episodes um so it's covering good like 12 or 15 of them per movie um but definitely a cool way to uh, re-examine the series um i'm enjoying it for that reason although it's admittedly not my favorite series uh but that's why i am watching my favorite series as well the eight ms team i'm re-watching that on blu-ray uh, too and that one it just still holds up on every level the animation is great story's great um so yeah uh did you ever watch the original gundam series uh, no i don't i don't think i have i think because uh wing hit the united states first and then uh later they um, released the original series yeah uh, so i think a lot of people of our generation they got into wing and uh some of them just never got into the original series as much yeah yeah, because actually that was kind of a thing where it's like I was interested in Wing because the Gundams in there were like pretty cool and like unique. And then once I was like, oh, the the original, it's kind of just like a more just war with, with mechs, but not like these like super ones versions. Yeah, uh, but that's and, actually why I like uh, 8th MS team. Yeah, and so that's the thing with the 08 MS team. That was always one that interested me because that one seemed like an even more realistic take on warfare with with Gundams that are basically just giant mechs and not some crazy 
like boosting ones where they're flying around everywhere and yeah it, exactly it was so real like you, they miss shots constantly you could see yeah, how hard like it is to aim every hit that the machine takes is crucial to if they will survive or not and stuff like that yeah it's really awesome watching that series as i'm playing gundam battle operation too because it's kind of follows a lot of the same mechanical rules of like gauging your boost not making the wrong move or your toast and uh, things like that versus the original Gundam series where it's it is like fantastical in many ways but not in the same cool way that Gundam Wing is where it's believable that the machine the uh, Gundams are like flying in a crazy way and having all these maneuvers <laughs> yeah in in the Gundam the original series it's kind of like Gundam's a little leans a little bit to the like Mazinger Z uh, Ultraman type of like can kind of do anything but they do have those moments of no this is a robot um but i think that's just kind of like old animation and things like that yeah it's a, um, have you do you ever play those games the front mission games like turn-based uh, yeah. strategy mech ones yeah yeah three i played three the all, all the way through but i never really played many of the other ones those are still coming out with them right uh kind of but the last couple of ones they made were released in Japan only i think they they some other company made like a third person shooter one that was shitty so they kind of stopped making mm. them which sucks they i'm satisfied with Gundam Battle Operation 2 though to the point where even the new Gundam game i'm kind of that's coming out i think July 30th maxi oh. boost or something Okay. Uh, whatever that one is. Neo Maxi Boost Gundam. It's got some crazy name that no one's ever <laughs> gonna remember. Yeah. I'm like, I don't I don't need this. But I'll probably still pick it up. Um but enough Gundam. Anything else you've been watching? Uh just uh went to my cousins and watched some reruns of uh Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> oh really? Uh any was it just on? Were you uh they had it on they had of uh they have HBO Max and it's on there, so they just had it running in the background and we were watching a bunch of episodes. Nice. Any episodes of note? It's, it feels like a show that still holds up. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, one of the ones we saw was like they go to some, I think it was like a Halloween episode, and they go to some fortune teller guy who curses them and then all their lives are being ruined. Very and they're good. and uh the best part of it though is like hillary and jazz like decide to get married and at, at the funny thing about that is like for them it doesn't seem like this is very bad because their <laughs> their lives are working out and they're being good to each other so yeah like see what how that's bad and it's only bad for their principle? dad it's yeah. just on principle like oh well <laughs> this is forcing us to be in love even though it's good yeah <laughs> Yeah. I uh, I do miss a good sitcom. Yeah, I do miss one. It's a, that's like one of those sitcoms where everyone's like, when are they gonna make a remake it with like a present day Will Smith comes back? Like all these other shows that have been doing that. Yeah, like where oh, you can Will get Smith his son. Comes back. He comes back for like half an episode. <laughs> that's well, how it is with like Fuller House. Every season you get like half an episode with Danny Tanner, Bob. Oh, Saget. really? 
Yeah, but generally he's not in it. It'll just be like Carlton the oh, entire the time. Dance. Every single episode. No, but yeah, I mean, people were saying like, oh, you could have it with uh, like his Will Smith's kids. And they're the new fresh prince and princess of Bel-Air or whatever. That's a big no yeah. thanks. That's, it's all the people that are like, oh, you know, Girl Meets World exists. Why can't we have a new fresh prince? Yeah. And there's a, there's many reasons <laughs> that I don't even know if we should get into. But yeah, don't do it. I think the thing is, too, <laughs> yeah. it's like... It's vibe. The show had a very specific vibe. If you're going to remake it, I don't trust they'd remake the vibe. Yeah. You know, uh, well, to get silly, but also be serious and touch on uh, serious topics. Yeah. Also, like, just Will Smith is having such a hard time making anything that's, like, solid at this point. Mm. Yeah, it's weird because he's always pretty good, but... yeah. Not quite. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Like the material is definitely not holding up. But I'm wondering even if it makes you look back at certain performances and be like, "Oh yeah, that performance wasn't necessarily great. That was just kind of a cool movie." Like I am Legend. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, he's good in that. But With that movie though, uh, the end of it's not that great. I think. Yeah, yeah I think there's like an alternate ending too that's yeah uh, better, and of course some CGI that doesn't necessarily hold up. <laughs> um, well, cool, cool. I want to mention one uh, last thing that I don't know if I I'd mentioned it last time we had uh, talked, but Arena, 1989's Arena. It was. Uh, it's basically a sci-fi movie in the future where there's it's MMA matches, but with monsters, um, and aliens and creatures. I saw you post about that. You watched it? Yeah, I watched it with Fred. Uh, we streamed it, just bullshitted while watching it, and uh, no human has ever has won this competition in decades or whatever. So this human goes to fight it, <laughs> uh, and you know, I'd say it's pretty bad most of it's bullshit and the uh climactic fight is not very good but there is one fight that because you see arena and you see it's basically a human like the box is a human squaring up with an alien Uh and you're like sick this is a movie i want to see there's only one fight that really lives up to that and the potential of that where he fights like a almost cricket type of alien it has like huge legs clawed hands and like a big like so it's not very fast uh-huh. very lumbering and he fights that and it's just kind of a cool it's exactly what you want you know foam bodied monster versus a dude uh but other than that it's kind of is just too bad with <laughs> nothing else going for it the whole time uh-huh. uh so i would say um, if you are into cheese and uh, especially, you know, monster suit, kaiju type stuff, uh, check it out. But if you find yourself getting bored after the fight that uh, that I tell you about or that I'm telling you about now, you'll know which one. Just turn it off. You've watched the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, because like looking at the trailer, it looks like the costume designs are really cool. 
Yeah, it's generally pretty cool, just, like, the people but, he fights. Yeah, the actual action. Sucks. Yeah, or, like, it's, you want to see him fight every type of monster, you know, and creature yeah. and see how that looks, but it doesn't really happen. It's not, it's no Guyver Dark Hero. Not at all. Not at all. The best, the best suited movie. That would actually be, <laughs> if we did Guyver, we would do Guyver and Arena as the double feature. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's all I've really watched recently. Uh, anything else for you b- before we jump in? No, that's it for me too. All right, cool. So that means it's time for our feature review of Eurovision Song Contest, directed by David Dobkin, uh, as we said, of Wedding Crashers fame, um, and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, pardon. Definitely a um, a com established comedy director. And I think it's done some like music spots and stuff, which isn't a surprise for a movie like this, which is heavily yeah. music. True. Um, so it's starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams as two Icelandic, uh, as I, an Icelandic duo who want to uh, win the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, which is a real thing, and it is really crazy and weird, just as the movie shows. Um, and. Uh, is it really a return to form for Will Ferrell movies? Let's talk about it. Chris, overall, what did you think of Eurovision Song Contest? Um, I think that it's... If you still like Will Ferrell movies, this will probably be a high point for you as, for his movies as of late. I don't know if you feel that way, but I thought uh, it's... You know, it's just another Will Ferrell movie, but it's not Holmes and Watson. Yeah, actually, least. I was thinking, what's the last one that he did? And home, while Holmes and Watson felt very uninspired, um, this feels a little bit more inspired for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I thought, you know, it's what I come to expect as like a Will Ferrell Netflix movie. This works, I think. And uh, for Will Ferrell, I'm seeing on IMDb, um, right before this, he was in the Impractical Jokers movie as <laughs> Miami Restaurant Girl number four. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, what I thought about this movie is I actually watched it in, uh, in one of my front yard screenings with people. Oh, okay. And, you know, the f- we were howling and just like so grinning. For the first 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Um, but then it kind of died down after that. And that's <laughs> kind of how the movie feels. Um, this is a two hour long movie. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of fun to be had with it. But it's best when it's being really silly and weird. Yeah. And that two hours... Most of that two hours is to really root the movie and have this, have you go through the plot line, have you go through these characters, um, you know, discovering their love for each other and uh, and their shortcomings and all that. And we just don't necessarily care so much. Yeah. And there's several song contests, like competition moments that you're like, when does the movie end? Or, like, when does their journey end? Like, they kept doing different performances. 
that would have like a different outcome of their relationship, you know, like the characters yeah. succeeding or whatnot. But it kept happening, and I'm like, just resolve. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did his you whole, notice the, that? Yeah, just his the conflict. Uh, that's the thing that I was like, if this movie just didn't have this basic ass conflict where Will Ferrell's just a fucking moron, and <laughs> Some for some reason Rachel McAdams is in love with him, and she's like the talented one. Uh, it's yeah, frustrating. It's weird because it's that, like he it, he's a fuck up, and of course there's on the side the idea that um they're in love. She's in love with him, but he doesn't want to get with her because uh, uh-huh. like, the song contest is more important. It's like it almost doesn't play those two things up enough. In that, like, he never pays the price for fucking things up from yeah. her. Yeah. She never really has a negative opinion about him from it. Yeah. Like, he leaves her. He literally turns his back on her and walks away and then comes back and she's like, great, you're back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so uh, it feels really, like, hollow, even though they're spending so much time on it. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I did think there was a lot of fun to be had with it. And like, just it's Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams doing these like Icelandic accents throughout it all, which is, is just fun. And it did make me think something while I was watching it. And then a friend actually said it, uh, to me during, it was basically like in 10 years, will this be offensive? Like, can you imagine a world where we get to the point where then, oh, white people uh, imitating other white cultures will be seen as ignorant and offensive, you know, like, just being like, I am speaking in Icelandic accent, that'll be just as bad as like me doing an imitation of a Chinese accent or something like that. Yeah, like a, like an Asian American accent or some sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. which we can agree is bad, but I wonder if. (laughs) We'll see That's in, true. if it, and, and do we think it's bad that they're doing that? And it's, I wonder if there will be a time and a place where someone's bringing that up and it gains any sort of traction. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, this will be, they'll be canceled. I'll tell you that much. Well, you, you just did it. So I guess you're fucked. <laughs> I know we have it on, <laughs> on video and it's here for audio. Uh, so let's get into spoilers. We already did spoil a little bit of stuff, but, uh, you're here for the jokes and the laughs for this movie. Not so much the spoilers. Um, yeah. But yeah, it starts out with a, uh, a little song, like a music video, probably that people have seen from the trailers. And that is just classic, like Will Ferrell, self-serious hilarity. Uh, I really like that music video part, which ends up being in their heads. They're fantasizing about it. Uh, how do you like that? Uh, the way they started that movie with that? Yeah, all the, all the like music video style moments in the movie were, I think, some of the coolest parts. Yeah, you almost want more of it. Anytime there was a performance, it was really great. Uh, yeah. Like the Viking, what was it? The sad Viking or whatever. It's like this really <laughs> high-pitched singing guy in a Viking outfit. Yeah, and like the there's like a metal group performing where they're all like, or not metal, but it was. I like believe a rock it's Guar. I think it might Guar uh, was in the movie. Okay. Yeah, it was the a real 
the real deal. I wasn't sure. That. I was curious, like, all the artists that were doing that, those are all, I'm assuming, real artists. Yeah, I wonder what to what degree, because what was that, Demi Lovato? Was that Demi Lovato yeah, in it? Yeah, um, And, uh, well, I know the guy, the actor from The Guest, he is not. Yeah, Dan Stevens. Um, he was very funny in it. Uh, but, yeah, I wonder, I think a lot of them... I don't know if they are uh, all singers we'll see but um, yeah because if you look at the imdb there's just like so many credits and it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's like i don't know where to start or who's who because there's so many random characters that did like one performance and then were just not in the movie anymore mm-hmm. yeah because they have that whole um what was it the do you believe in life after love party yeah dancing where they're that's just the part where i was they're... like I don't know who any of these people are, but I feel like they're all actual yeah. you know, singers, musicians. And it's just so, it's bizarre. I love how they have, like, Will Ferrell joins in. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's one of them. Yeah, with his yeah. stupid wig. But he's, his like, as wig. he's and just it, another one of them, yeah. And like, Rachel McAdams has a, a voice double. And then Will Ferrell does not. And it just (laughs) makes it even funnier because he's not a bad singer, but just hearing him mixed with them is great. That whole um, scene is so uh, strange, but fun. You're like, what is this performance these people are putting on? Yeah. And they call it like a song off, right? (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like or song along. That's what they called it. Song along. Because it's like not competitive in any way. It's all just like them celebrating each other. It's like, this is what you imagine when a bunch of singers get together. They're just like, let's all sit, bust, turn into a random song and everyone sing yeah. as if Everyone it was will have a moment. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, uh, those, those music moments are great. And then it jumps into the, the movie proper where we find out they're um, loser, loser adults. Uh, the outfits, Rachel McAdams, everything she's doing, her hair, everything about it is amazing and probably reason (laughs) enough to watch the movie. Uh, costume design is just perfect in this. Yeah. I wanted to wear everything that they wore. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know. Have you watched a lot of like Icelandic or Norwegian movies or, um, like Danish films, anything? No, not not that I can recall. Okay, I wouldn't say I, I've watched a lot, but the ones I have watched, this movie shares a particular look with them. Uh, uh and I I think a lot of that is probably the setting, right? And like just the the um locations and set dressing and things of that nature. But it, it almost felt like it had the same color palette, um, and kind of look that i've seen from other icelandic and like norwegian movies so i thought that was interesting especially with the comedic tone being you know very will ferrell adam yeah style yeah it's like Um, they kind of simulate it or emulate it yeah it's like think of like taking kubrick's look but then doing that look with a Will Ferrell comedy. It's like, kind of like, <laughs> like what, what is this? This is weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. Cause this, the thing is like, I feel like I have, I had before this movie, no idea what Eurovision was. I didn't even know it existed mm. or what it was about. Yeah. And then 
I feel like most people, I'm assuming most Americans have no idea what Eurovision is, but you could easily understand that it's just like uh, some sort of like you, uh, United Nations American Idol or something, right? Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to put it. That's probably about correct. <laughs> or, yeah, I mean, all of Europe, but it's like a they all the countries compete to have see who can have like the best musician or musical mm. group or whatever uh but this the i feel like the title of this movie sucks because mm. you see it and you're just like what is this it's like a eurovision i have no idea what that is you know if, if yeah, you only saw the title contest. you wouldn't even think it's something that you should care about necessarily yeah, if like, you know, if you've ever searched like Netflix new releases in July and you'll just see like a text version. Yeah. If you saw uh Eurovision Song Contest the story of Fire Saga, you'd probably be like, "Okay." Yeah, it's like, watch, "Oh, like, a music Idol. documentary? <laughs> I don't care." Yeah. Um and then you'd see the poster and be like, "Oh, that weird. That looks like Will Ferrell and Rachel <laughs> McAdams sort of." <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, I wonder if they did like a, a bit for this documentary, or yeah. maybe they're narrating it or something. But yeah, the the title is a little uh, a little bad because even the people who um, came to watch the the front yard screening, everybody was under a different impression of what we were watching. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, An- Andy thought we were actually watching Eurovision, and she was surprised oh. how we were how I had got a stream of it. <laughs> That's awesome. And then another person thought it was the movie, but had been talking to Andy and Andy thinking that it wasn't the movie. So their conversations were really weird. And <laughs> nobody knew what the hell was going on. Um, but yeah, this uh, a lot of fun, wacky movement moments like the whale jump uh, when when he's like oh we live in the the most beautiful place in the world and two whales jump at the same time with each other uh they uh there's somebody shouts and then like the uh, an ice cliff falls just like the these reminders of like hey look at this beautiful place that they're at yeah um so they definitely have fun with kind of that whole thing like even uh making fun of americans so oh yeah the that movie. was great those are always great those scenes i think were some of my favorite actually we don't want you here stop <laughs> like, laughing go to starbucks and they're like oh where? oh starbucks where and it's just like <laughs> fuck <laughs> uh that shit is good yeah so there's a lot of, like especially just like i said in that first like 20 30 minutes is when i got the most fun out of it other than you know, like the uh, that song, met, that song, not contest or whatever, but that song thing they did for "Do You Believe in Life After Love?" Yeah. Um. So a lot of that silliness I loved. Um, the earnestness of Rachel McAdams is fun. You know, yeah. she's just not not a bad character who's going to do anything and has high hopes for everybody. It just seems to work. I think she's so charming too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's and... really she's really great. She's always great in what she she's in. And I feel mm. like she's always in movies that I don't end up seeing. But then the ones I do see, I'm always like, man, I wish she was in more things that I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. She's because she's obviously got like a a history of great comedy as well that we yeah can easily forget about post Notebook. Um, but Mean Girls, she was absolutely fantastic in. Yeah, Wedding Crashers. Mm. So obviously David Dobkin knows what he's doing. Um, but uh, there's some uh, the wacky stuff with the elves is great. The elves end up being real at the end. Yeah. Okay. So the movie does these weird supernatural like jokes that are the best jokes in the movie, but there's, there's, I wish there were more of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was there. And then like later on he gets to the end singing part and like Demi Lovato comes back and she's like, as a ghost, like a half burnt body with a missing arm. And she's like, yeah, you got to listen to me. That guy's trying to kill us. And you know, five minutes before is the scene where he, he, that guy tries to kill Will Ferrell and the, the elves kill it. It's Mm -hmm. so such a good bit of like the idea that there's these ghosts that exist. They try to help him, but then they're not watching him at all times (laughs) to understand that he's already taken care of this, (laughs) <laughs> this guy that became a villain yeah. suddenly. I didn't even realize that guy was like evil. Well, yeah, because uh, it was the guy who was trying to not get. Is it that guy? He was trying yeah. to not get the the uh, Iceland to win. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a little. That part's a little convoluted. I like how it uh, it introduces the like them into the contest. You know, but um, yeah, so it gets to a little bit of like, why do we care about the politics of Iceland <laughs> yeah. getting? Yeah, because like it's just suddenly at the end of the movie, he's like, this guy just basically tries to strangle Will Ferrell with like a piano wire. And you're like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? That took a strange turn. Yeah, I, I do love the silly stuff because I think that's where you know, the movie's just going to have its its most fun when you have the yeah. elves, when you have the ghost. And uh, it's so good at just letting you, just walking you through it and just, like, to where you can't question it. You're just like, fucking yes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, because, like, you kind of understand where this movie is going with its plot. It's not some crazy, interesting plot. and But the best parts are, like, they throw these curveballs of like some supernatural element where you're like, what is going yeah. on? Why would they do that? But it's surprising. And that's, that's always fun in fun ways too. Yeah. It's random, but it's also like set up and paid off. Uh, the fact that Rachel McAdams character secret is always talking to the elves and it just seems like a fun childlike thing she does, but then yeah. they do come. Yeah. So it's like, it earns all that stuff. <laughs> while also um you know not needing to make it its focus yeah and um, then like but... oh, sorry yeah, go ahead. no go for it i was just gonna talk about uh dan stevens character uh yes in it i thought i thought he was great i thought it was cool that he's like kind of like a villain but then he's not really a bad guy at all mm-hmm. <laughs> like he there's all these times where you think he's like gonna do some terrible thing but then he's just kind of like no i'm I'm here to support you because i think that you are very talented yeah and 
is yeah it's it, i thought that was kind of cool yeah they play that like the trope of he's gonna be that hot shot guy who's gonna tear yeah. them apart and yeah it, he's just trying he to, does like, but politely yeah, yeah it's just like oh no i would like to but that's <laughs> not what you would like <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that's fun and i I don't know what it is that makes it feel so long. I think for me, it is the this idea of like they keep going to different rounds of the song contest, uh-huh. and you know a mistake happens and they get everybody cheers for them, and then they need to do they fuck up, but then they need to do one more song contest, and it just it's too similar that I started to get really bored with it. Versus a third act having nothing to do with the song contest anymore because they've unearthed something. Yeah. You know, it just like got really repetitive. Um, and it wasn't funny enough to be repetitive in those later parts. Um, yeah. But so yeah. it's like, it's not going to be a classic, even though I feel like it has so, it had so much potential to be a classic. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure that it earns that status. Yeah, because, like, the cast is good, but I feel like they didn't have enough things to do that made them, like, great secondary characters. Yeah. Which I feel like a lot of Will Ferrell's, like, best movies, it's, like, also the cast that surrounds him that add to the movie enough to make it, to elevate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this cast, you have like Pierce Brosnan yeah. um, in it, and he's really good, but not necessarily like uh, hitting home runs for yeah. comedy. He plays like a very straightforward character. And you have Graham Norton, who's doing nothing. <laughs> Just being Graham Norton. <laughs> and like the least interesting version of himself. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very um, down. But it is like it's there's this huge cast list, a lot of um, people we haven't necessarily seen before. Um, so it seems like this movie was trying to do something specific, like with casting that was different than their other movies. And maybe a lot of that has to do with budget and availability. You know, uh, this isn't, you know, an Adam McKay, Will Ferrell movie yeah. released in theaters that that era is gone um so they weren't gonna get some of their s- stalwarts but uh it also feels like they made the most bo- messed of that most of that by getting a cast that looked like they belonged in this movie and also were you know entertaining as much as we're criticizing what we are yeah yeah the other character that was really good was um the chick from the from uh what we do in the shadows who's like there oh my god like yeah when i saw her i was like hell yeah she's in this and uh, i really Nat- wanted more of her Natasha, i think it's her name yeah huh. yeah yeah she was like the the few scenes she had she was like perfect in and yeah mm-hmm. i wish i wish they had more of her in it but yeah that was one example of like a character who or one of the actors and characters who just lit up the screen when they were on it. They're just like, ooh, more scenes, please. Um, but let's get into some final thoughts on this before we uh, we move on. Um, what are just any last topics you want to kind of bring up or things of the movie? 
the the part in the beginning where basically all of the talented musicians from Iceland get on a boat and they blow up. I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that's very MacGruber like. Oh yeah, the MacGruber moment. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, and why uh, Demi Blavato is a burn victim ghost. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's and it's like I you want more of that too, you know. Mm-hmm. You want more of that extreme silliness, um, and I don't know. I guess the movie is plenty extreme and silly, but maybe just some of the things didn't land for me as much as uh as I wanted them to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's about it for me. For any final thoughts. Oh, well, let's get into double feature. Do you have any ideas for a double feature? Uh, Yeah. So, okay. So one of the things I was going to say is on Netflix right now, they also have Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story oh, with nice. John C. Riley. And I thought uh, that would be a fun comedic musical double feature. That's a really good one. And especially because people could watch that super fucking easy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, there's the other thing I was going to say, this kind of has to do with the movie, but not really, which is uh, two of Dan Stevens movies are on Netflix right now, which is the guest. And then Apostle is actually a Netflix exclusive, I think, but those would be cool to watch by themselves together. Have a Dan Stevens night. Yeah. Yeah. You watch this and then the other two, which are kind of horror, they're horror movies, but. But that's almost fun to see him. A huge fan of Dan Stevens. You know, honestly, I think one of the things I was wishing was that he would have been cast as uh, the Immortal Iron Fist when Netflix was doing that show. I feel like he would have been a perfect uh, Danny Rand Iron Fist. Yeah. And then uh, hopefully write it better, too. Yeah. So maybe now that Marvel (laughs) has that stuff back, they can still cast him. That's like a fan cast of mine. But, I don't uh, think they'll, even though the character is white, I don't think they'll cast a white person again. For oh, it. again for it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I, I mean, on it, that would be better for the best, I guess. Um, good ideas. My double feature idea is Heavy Trip. It's a Norwegian uh, movie about a heavy metal band who tries to get into a song contest. Huh. Um, and I actually haven't seen it myself, but I've heard really good things about it. Um, okay. So if you're digging the uh, the kind of like Icelandic Norwegian vibe, um, heavy trip. That's it. Uh, cool. And how about the sequels? What are your sequel idea? Yeah. So for a sequel, I was thinking in line with like talking about doing a double feature with Walk Hard is like it would be cool if they did another one where they're doing some sort of talent show against americans and then you could have like john c Riley play or you know whoever he always has one of his friends play some sort of rival that they have to compete musically but uh where was i gonna go with it the well i mean that's i guess that's basically it that's a that's the movie yeah pretty uh, i like that one yeah take them to america yeah um i would go with the simple eurovision song contest 2 and it's a movie that just uses deleted scenes <laughs> to create a whole new movie 
that fabricated <laughs> from those deleted scenes. And somehow it's three hours long. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, a reference to the second... the. I guess it's technically not the second Anchorman movie anymore. But there was yeah. two Anchorman movies that came out uh, when the first one came out because there was so much deleted footage that they could have a whole separate storyline for this <laughs> other hour and a half long movie. I believe it's a lot more. It's about the panda. That was yeah. It's like all this cut out storyline. And it makes a full movie, and it has some of actually what, like I reference as Anchorman quotes. Oh. Uh are shit. in that movie not the actual movie uh but i still I haven't I'll... seen it damn oh really i have yeah. the dvd which came with like his journal and <laughs> baseball cards for them that's awesome it's somewhere because like i don't think that's that's necessarily easy to find it was like the best buy exclusive double pack oh oh i know what i was gonna say about the sequel is that oh yes they should get Sasha Baron Cohen to be yes. his rival because of like, did you see that video today that came out where he like infiltrated some 3% percent mm-hmm. rally and pretended to be this like uh, musical artist like, yeah, <laughs> and he's getting the crowd to Obama. chant. Yeah. About like injecting Obama with the Wuhan virus and the whole entire crowd chants with him. Uh, yeah. It's But anyways, I thought that would be a great person to play an American musician. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and the uh the Will Ferrell um rivalry with him continues from Talladega. Yeah, exactly, yeah. All right, well good. That's uh those are some really good ones. So this has been Beat It Movie Reviews. If you like the show, please leave a review or reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Joe Cabello. And Chris is at Rebirth Project. Um, anywhere else people could say what's up to you? Uh, I guess that's it. Cool. And I have a comic book out on uh, website robotblackbeltchampion.com. You could read the whole thing. It's like 33 pages of pure awesomeness. Um, and we'll be back next week with uh, reviewing something. I forget what's coming out, but stay tuned. Um, hit us up on Twitter. And, of course, just five-star that on iTunes. Like we said, thank you very much, everybody. Another movie review podcast At least it's better than a car crash And we're gonna write some funny ass Talking movies and having a blast It's the Beated Podcast It's the Beated Podcast